of Killing Along with Bird and Cam. This is your boy Bird and it's always with me Cam. Cam, we just like I ain't gonna say how you doing because I've been talking to you for the last few hours so like <laughs> fuck what you doing, okay? Shit. <laughs> um I've been sitting here hanging out, relaxing all cool. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we've been again getting back in the thick of podcasting after a little hiatus. Uh that fate it's not even our, our terms, but we are, and I'm speaking, you know, speaking for you, speaking on for me, like I am more than fortunate to, to be back in a nitty gritty with my nigga. Uh, so, um, we talked about in part one, Jeffrey Dahmer. Again, we're like, again, we're going to go back to Illinois. So, you know, well, are you not doing Illinois words? Calm the fuck down. We are going to be getting back to that sooner rather than later. It's a little later, it's just, but we gotta get to the main people. We gotta get to the main people, and also this is going to have some kind of Chicago elements here, so um, we will. So keep that in mind. But again, folks, thank you so much for listening. Whenever you are, um, again, without you guys, none of this is possible. And uh, we're just, you know, trying to give you the best content and most content, you know, necessary and possible. And again, we have a lot of dandies for you down the road. We have the updates that we talked about in part one that we've done past episodes that we're going to be talking about. Michael Kozeki, Robert Utter, the artist formerly known as Robert Kelly, R. Kelly. Yes, we'll be talking about him too. And yes, we'll be talking about Juice Smollier. Uh, but yeah, we, um, yeah, we're getting back into the thick of things. And, you know, part one, I had a gang of time, you know, talking shock with my, one of my best friends. And, you know, to uh, uh, about Jeffrey Dahmer, wow. And and we talk about some very, very fucked up shit in part one. And to think that that was only an appetizer, I will preface this. What was it, four people? Hmm. It was four people. Mm-hmm. We were only at four people. Though. Yes, and you know, as Cam is uh, known for her disclaimers, I want to add a disclaimer of my own. If you are listening to this, please eat before you listen to this. Like, I'm halfway kidding. Like, please eat. Because you're going to hear some stuff, and you're going to be lose your appetite, and you're like, God damn it! Like, yes. Yes. So, uh... Exactly. Yeah. So, um, that's and it. And I do apologize before we get in there. I do apologize. Um, I probably sound like a mess on the first episode, but it's been a hot minute. So, yeah. we're ready. Yeah, and I guess even, and again, I'm going to be biased, but, like, again, to to be in the situation where we're doing this is a fucking blessing in of itself. And, again, we're going to get in full detail why like i'm just so fucking like you know just fortunate again to be in this position where we're back to do this like it's one of those things yeah, that yeah. As, as, as you said not to get you know to to spoil anything but like the key word for me you know in the last week week several weeks is perspective and you know in due time we will kind of fill you in of everything that's happened 
and that's explained for the hiatus. But again, guys, thank you so much for being here. Um, that said, we're going to get right into it. Part two of Jeffrey Dahmer. And uh, should we just hit him with a disclaimer again? Yeah, just a quick one, you know. Sweet. Um, we're here to just report to do our thing. Um, if there's anything that is accurate, that offends you, that offends someone you know, um, or you have extra information, please let us know. Just hit us up on Illinois uh, with Burning Cam or via our Facebook page, K-Pod. Um, again, if there's anything that you want to add that offends you, that you know, is wrong or whatever, just let us know. We, we get our information from various news articles, police reports, things of that nature. So, um, yeah, and if you're ever in a situation, um, please call your lo uh, local crisis hotline and um, please be safe. Yeah, and um, without that further ado, we're going to get right back into this shit, and we pick We're up. We're do the damn thing. Do the damn thing, had a girl, and we pick up where we left off with Dahmer moving into a second floor flat apartment on nine twenty four North Twenty Fifth Street in Milwaukee on September twenty fifth, nineteen eighty eight. And only one day later, he decides to rechristen his new home in his trademark style of horror. He goes outside and he meets a young Asian boy out on the street near his apartment complex and offered him $50 if the kid would post for some photographs. And the boy was only 13 years old. One of the children of a Laotian family named Synthesophone, oh boy, we need to get this right, Synthesophone that lived nearby. And Dharma persuaded the kid into drinking a cup of coffee, which he laced with sedatives and inca incapacitating the boy. And Dahmer moved close and began to sexually assault the boy, and he whispered to the boy that he wanted him to look sensual in the photographs. And as recalled in Don Davis's book, An American Nightmare, and an amazing feat, something that Jeffrey Dahmer would rarely allow to happen, the dazed boy staggered into the floor and outside, stumbling safely home. And the family took their son to the hospital, and the police were notified, and Dahmer was arrested and charged with second-degree sexual assault and enticing a child for immoral purposes. And one week after his arrest, Dahmer was released on bail, going back to his apartment, his job, and the streets as his trial was set for May of 1989. And I see your face, Cam. This looks like a tr this is like a rant. Like she just like, what the fuck? So, the floor just, is yours. It's just unfortunate because like, just the justice system screwing up and mm -hmm. he should have been it's just frustrating. Um, but what we do know, however, is that at this time, Dahmer is still in his murderous ramp rage. And despite all the proceedings getting ready for trial, on May 25th, 1989, Dahmer went out and hit the bars. And he came in contact with Anthony Sears, who was described as a friendly, aspiring model, who was at the time a manager of a local Baker Square. And Baker Square has the best pie if you've never had one before. I never think. had it. Are you serious? Oh, my God. There's, like, so many options. Mm. It's amazing. You ever had There's a patty pie? There's not a lot around anymore. There's really not a lot around, but I used to go there all the time. Mm. I've had patty pies from Walmart. Pat I'm sorry, what? Patty pie. It's like patty a pat pie? Pat patty LaBelle sweet potato pies. 
No. Yeah, she. Baker Square got <laughs> sweet, like pie, not like, not like pizza pie, or pancakes. No, man, you gotta. Or like chicken pot pie. Oh, oh, those kind of pies. No, no, like actual like pie. Oh. Like, you know. Poutine pie. Dessert okay. Pie, pie for dessert. Ah, got you. Yeah. Fabulous, fabulous. One of these days, man, we'll go. Okay. We'll go. But um anyways, back to Baker Square. Um, this is where the restaurant where Anthony Sears worked or was the manager at. So back to Anthony and Dahmer uh communicating with one another. They they hit it off and surprise, surprise, they made plans to go to Dahmer's grandmother's house. And the reason for that was because Dahmer was afraid the police were actually monitoring his apartment. So he had a subconscious knowing he could be getting in trouble, but continued to do what he was doing. So at this time, Dahmer and Sears had sexual relations. And Dahmer actually then drugged Sears. And with Sears being drunk and disabled, Dahmer strangled him to death. Then, as Davis writes in detail, he began the awful chore of chopping the body to pieces. He finished the job by boiling the decapitated head of his recent lover until his skin peeled off. In, in addition to that, though, wait, it's, it gets better. The other keepsake Dahmer kept with him were the Sears private parts. So, on top of his head, now he's got some private parts. And he actually preserved these remains using a via flammable liquid called acetone. And keeping them in his locker until they were mummified. And yes, there are pictures of these, and there are pictures of the other horrible crime scenes that would actually be revealed when it was all said and done. And... Lo, lo and behold, the internet does have some of these. Have you seen them? No, I have not. I don't want to. So, no, I do. I just. Well, guess guess who's gonna get guess who's gonna get a uh, a, a phone uh, texted to her uh, a photo texted to her when we're done recording. Well, that's all right. After after my incident. After your I incident. Okay. After, yeah. After oh yeah. Hell yeah. Let's just. I'll just tell you a quick story of uh, when I first saw them, and it was relatively recent as recent as in my birthday my national holiday um just a few weeks uh, a month ago um a uh, dear friend of the podcast uh said you know hey uh i'm reading this book about jeffrey dahmer and look mind you i'm eating my fucking birthday cake you know i'm enjoying enjoying my shit i'm watching cruel attentions i ain't seen that movie in a long time just enjoying myself just me up hey happy birthday uh i got you know something that's gonna you know you might be interested in you and she sends me these pictures it's like i'm reading this book and I, and like and i believe this is of anthony sears so it's a picture of his uh decapitated uh head and um said parts and yeah, I was eating a cake, and I can't ever look at that no. cake again because when I see it, that cake, I'm going to be reminded of Jeffrey Dahmer's, uh, you know, brutality. And I mean, it's it's one of those things is that words will not do justice. And again, I do not recommend 
anybody to to look up on the internet, but I know you don't people like yeah. I will probably end up doing it, but don't do it. Oh no, you're gonna have no choice with you. So, uh, <laughs> so the trial the trial begins only later that month in May 1989, and Dharma took the stand in his own defense. Admitting that he had a problem with sex and alcohol and in a moment of weakness succumbed to the ills of those vices, committing this vile act. But in his sober state, Cam, he saw the error of his ways. But the, luckily, the jury didn't buy that routine as Jeffrey Dahmer was found guilty of second-degree sexual assault and enticing a child for immoral purposes. Now, Dahmer was facing a max of 20 years in jail and the prosecution was eager to get the book thrown at him, with the assistant DA assigned to the case giving an ominous warning that if you, quote-unquote, if you let this man out, he will commit more crimes. However, the judge bought Dahmer Sympathy Act and stating that since Wisconsin did not have a treatment program for its inmates with alcohol and sexual problems, Dahmer, if he went to do hard time, he probably would have came out worse than he already was. And because of that, he sentenced Dahmer to only three years in prison, a term that was reduced to get this. One year on a work release program followed by five years of probation and an inpatient or outpatient alcohol treatment program. So he was prohibited by the court from having contact with anyone under the age of 18. But some, And somehow, after all of this, he finds a way to beat the system. And... Um, Cam, you've been alluding to this from the first part on about just pretty much the ineptitude of the court system in handling this. And I mean, this one is just a grave misstep. It's just, you know, I know at this time they don't understand the magnitude of what Dahmer is actually doing. Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, defeats the purpose of catching him on what he's actually doing. Right. But there has been so many times that he should have been behind bars mm-hmm. for a long time. Right. And all of those times, not one, not mm-hmm. two, all of those times he's been let out early or right. not even gone. And that's that's bogus. Yeah. I call bullshit. And, uh, and also this, like, I guess people who might, you know, listen to this was like, well... You know, you have the benefit of hindsight with the murders that we've talked about, but even just take that out of the the equation, if we will. You he's already have he already has a criminal record on file, what was already known. And from judging just off of that, you go from drunk and disorderly conduct to uh and drunk decent, and disorderly contact on uh, con- conduct, aka flaxing mm-hmm. people. Right to masturbating in front of 12-year-olds, and now to this. So it is escalating. It is escalating. And from each time when he was punished, and you can't see the air quotes, folks, but it's like it it, it magnifies. So even just throwing away what the, what is known with the murders, what wasn't known with the murders, but what is known with his criminal record that was on the record, I mean... Three years suspended. Hey, Doug. Three years suspended. Coming to plane. And it's just you know a miss, misgrave uh, justice, if you will. 
it's it's not fair to the vi- <clears throat> to the victims, and it's it's you know you go down the spiraling questions of if he was put behind bars earlier, would would more people be murdered? Would more people have to succumb uh, succumb to what he he did? Right. Um, or what? But it's it's unfortunate because. There were so many times the justice system should have put him and kept him where he belongs, mm-hmm. and all those times were just terrible, terrible, mm-hmm. and they failed. So it's very, very frustrating. So and it, and it it's it's hard to explain the justice system since neither of us worked with the law. Mm-hmm. Um, however. Uh, it's pretty black and white, so um, it's 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 difficult. It's very very difficult. So, um, um, actually, almost a year later, on March second, nineteen ninety, Dahmer actually walked out of the correctional center a free man. So, less than a year, he was on the streets again. And after staying at his grandmother's as a condition of his release. He packed up his belongings, including his mummified head that he still had, and the genitals of Anthony that he still had, and moved back into his apartment. On another condition of his release was a mandatory bi-weekly meetings with his probation officer, who was uh, Donna Chesler. And the meetings themselves provide an interesting insight into the man with five bodies on his hands. So, take June 11th, for example, where he met with Chesler to talk about his guiltiness of being gay before proclaiming that he would be celibate for the time being. Within three days, he broke that promise. And while indulging in the nightlife like always for the time being, or I'm sorry, like always, uh, 27-year-old Eddie Smith caught his attention. And later, the two would hook up at Dahmer's apartment. Again, one thing led to another, and within two weeks, the Smith family filed a missing persons report. Caroline, Eddie's sister, would come out and say shortly thereafter, she actually received a startling call from a man she never heard before. And the man said, don't bother looking for your brother, with a soft voice at the end. She thought it was, or may have sounded like, a white man. And she just simply said, why not? And that individual responded with, because he's dead. And she asked him, asked this male, how do you know that? And he said, because I killed him. And just like that, the short, horrifying call ended right there, with a click and the silence ringing in her ear. Jeffrey Dahmer would eventually confirm to the police that he had not only made that call, but over the slaughter months, he had called the families of several of his victims with similar anonymous announcements that he had murdered his loved ones. And as for Eddie Smith, his remains would never be found. It's almost like he's mocking them. Yeah, I mean, when you've, when you've killed, and this is, a, what, six? When you've killed six people now, and you've gotten away with it, like, you're going to get brazen, if not, you know, through your M.O., especially through your actions, is no different to what BTK had did, you know, after he was years into getting away with the shit, or Zodiac, 
it's one of those things, like you said, it's taunting, you know, law enforcement, it's taunting the victims. Like, you know, it's this, this wielding this, this, this sickening, uh, abuse of power. Like I had, you know, I did this and I got away with it. There's not a damn thing you can do about it. And I mean, it's just adding salt in the proverbial wound. And again, he's back on the prowl in early July 1990 when he found and enticed a 15-year-old to come into his apartment, promising money if he took pics. But in the process of doing this, Dahmer put down the camera and picked up a rubber mallet and swatted the kid over the head with it, then tried to strangle him. And the frightened boy somehow managed to survive the episode, calming the excited Dahmer who said that he attacked the boy to keep him from leaving. And, and strangely, amazingly even, for some reason, he changed his mind about the boy. And he had threatened to kill him if he tried to contact the police, but he let him go free. And get this, Camp, he even picked up his telephone and called the kid a cab. Now, when the boy got home, he broke his promise, good on him, and he was taken to Sinai Samaritan Medical Center for treatment. And once back home, gave investigating police a description the man who assaulted him and an address and that apparently was that nothing more came with the internet and this would not be the last time as we're going to get into a bit in a few minutes that milwaukee police just gravely dropped the ball i mean you, you talk about uh the uh justice system you know the courts where they just whiffed on nailing this guy and now the police is now taking their turns, and I mean, you have him dead to rights. You have the address, and if the police did due diligence, they, you know, and if you wind up, okay, this is a man who's who's already a sex offender, who's you know had these re, re documented incidents of sexual violence and and sexual sadism, like you you get him. In some aspect, but like it's, it's one of those things again. It's it's hindsight, but the little things and what if they did their jobs at this point? You know, how many victims could have been spared? It's if it's, possible. It's frustrating. It's very very frustrating, but it's it's also interesting to see how the police force works because this is I mean serial killers nowadays back then were common but when it was happening how did how did they know how do you know it's happening when it's not right in front of your eyes right as weird as that sounds if there's no evidence anywhere and Dahmer did a pretty pretty good job at um hiding it other than other than his most recent victim so unfortunately though Ricky Beeks wouldn't be a lucky victim. A week after the incident with the 15-year-old, Dahmer set his sights on his new prey, who happened to actually be a 33-year-old small-time criminal from Rockford, Illinois. So now we're so, getting to Illinois now. So, hey, there's your, hey, Illinois tie-in. I thought you were going to get him. Yeah. So, Rockford, which is funny. I was just talking to someone today about Rockford, Illinois. Mm. That's really funny. Um small world. But anyways, Dahmer ran into Beeks at a club 219. Um, the same bar where only two years earlier, Robert Guerrero would meet the very same maker. 
And after making acquaintances with one another, they head back to Dahmer's house for the nightcap. The following would be what Dahmer eventually told the police. Dahmer gave Beeks a drink, which, if you probably guessed it, was drugged with them, uh, and the man fell asleep. And that led to Dahmer, who strangled him and then removed the man's clothing and proceeded to have oral sex with him. And, uh, I guess you could say now necrophilia is probably being added into this whole repertoire. So, further than that, he eventually dismembered the body, but again, kept the skull and later painted it. So, on September 2nd, Dahmer encounters 24-year-old Ernest Miller outside the bookstore. And this is one of the murders that really caught my eyes out of all the ones. So, he was visiting from Chicago to spend a Labor Day weekend with his family in Milwaukee. And on Sunday, the 2nd, he had attended services at the Golden Rule Church of God in Christ, where he was known to many in that community. And Dahmer would say later he was especially attracted to Miller's physique. And boy, he wasn't fucking lying, because he was killed by having his carotid artery severed after being dismembered in the bathtub. With Dahmer storing his entire skeleton in the bottom drawer of a filing cabinet and his heart, biceps, and portions of his leg in the freezer. And why and what did he keep those particular parts for? To give you a harrowing epilogue on the life of Ernest Miller, one published report will come out to cite an official document stating that Dahmer thawed the bicep, fried it in vegetable oil, and he ate it. That's right, folks. He thawed a bicep from a dead man, a recently dead man. He fried it in vegetable oil, and he ate it. Ew. 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 That's disgusting. That makes me... That's disgusting. It's, 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 uh, again, and like, it's kind of crazy because I was, uh, earlier today, um, I was just checking the channel and like, I think it was like channel nine, daily, daily mail, whatever the fuck. They were talking about a cannibal killer. So like when you see something like that and when it's going to get out, like somebody getting eaten, I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, like, fuck, a bicep, I'm going to keep going back to this, a bicep and fried it in vegetable oil, and he ate a bicep, so you have escalated from this, from killing somebody, uh, well, first from sexually assaulting someone, to killing them, to dismembering them, to necrophilia, and now we're in cannibalism. So, I mean, this is kind of like, this is a far, like, it makes what he did when he was in his formative years look like, like he's a fucking nun then. Like, it is so mind-boggling. Like, you- It is absolutely insane the amount of detail and craziness he goes into to do all this and then sits there and acts like it's just a normal normal casual day and I, I don't understand it oh. I don't I don't understand it and just three weeks after killing Miller 
Dahmer added David Thomas to the list. Thomas, who encountered Dahmer near the Grand Avenue Mall, was lured to the apartment on the promise of money for posing nude. And once the lace drink, once the lace drink had rendered Thomas unconscious, Dahmer actually decided that he wasn't my type. Nonetheless, Dahmer strangled Thomas and took Polaroid pictures of the dismemberment process, but no remains were ever found. And now, we actually get into 1991. And it just seems that Dahmer gets into this overdrive in a way he hadn't done before in the terms of quantity. On February 18, 17-year-old Curtis Strauder was approached by Dahmer as he waited at a bus stop near Marquette University. Dahmer lured, excuse me, Dahmer lured, lured, excuse me, Strauder to his apartment where the youth was drugged and then handcuffed, along with being strangled before being dismembered in the bathtub. His skull, hands, and genitals were retained for eating and or masturbating purposes. And that's, and it's, it's, I don't understand why he wants, why, why he needs to do that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, the whole process, I don't understand, but his just idea of what, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't know. I, I don't understand how someone's brain works like that right. and why it works like that and how it seems like this is acceptable. Yeah, I, I think it, it's it's just one of those things is that one can never uh, find. And like I say, we've all done our shit, right? But, I mean, to, to normalize this routine that he has and and it's just escalating it's escalating it's escalating and now you have he is just systematically systematically just you know snuffing out these innocent people's lives and then if that isn't enough he does all this depraved shit afterwards it's like wow like it's insane it's and, he, and it's like what you're saying you know it took you know from steve from his first murder to his second murder there's almost a decade span and now we're up to just the beginning of 1991 and yeah like you said it's just the overdrive like it's just going to be like why you know it's just like this whole like this overdrive it just it's just a, a midst amount of like bodies that just skyrocket, and even more like just baffling is like, yes, the families are reporting them missing, but nobody's you know connecting that together, and it reminds me in a way of of, of Gacy, which is weird though. But Gacy, what what's different is Gacy had the bodies. Dahmer completely got rid of them completely mm -hmm. like it was no big deal like like right. the person never existed right and, and 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 as and from the words himself jeffrey dahmer had asked why he did this shit quote unquote it was an incessant and an incessant and never ending desire to be with someone at whatever cost someone good looking someone really nice looking it just filled my thoughts all day long 
So, again, this is going back to, if we can, you know, go back to his early life and those aforementioned abandonment issues. Like, longing to be with somebody permanently and even after post-mortem to, to retain uh, a keepsake, even using it for the purposes he used it for, uh, to, to, to kind of have that reminder that he's not alone. I mean, to kind of, like, justify that it's <laughs> not even trying to do that the slightest stretch of imagination, but you see, you see an insight into why he did the shit that he did. But I still, we see insight, but there's <coughs> no way, I, I just can't understand. Mm-hmm. Understand, you know, again, this is what confused, you know, this case, you know, Ted Bundy, the whole... Growing up, we're, you know, well, again, we don't know his lifestyle. We didn't talk to him ourselves. But by book, it wasn't a terrible lifestyle for him to turn into this serial killer. He was, you know, he had some shitty parents, don't get me wrong. Right. But uh, it's not like they abused him. It's not like Mm. they... It's like when you get dark, when you get dark shit to seeping in in such an early age, that 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 shouldn't have you know been there, and then you add something like alcohol, that kind of like just it's such a young age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's I don't it's know who knows if it's inevitable, but either, probably yeah. So. But- There's just so many factors to why he became who he became. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, nowadays, you know, we don't want to keep talking about the murderer, the murderer, the murderer. Mm -hmm. We want to talk about the the victims, the victims. But it's it's just terrible because there are so many times that Mm -hmm. these victims, it could be half the amount of victims because the justice system just didn't keep him behind bars when he should have been behind bars. Yeah. And, yeah. And, this, and we're only still in 1991 and mm-hmm. it's only, it's only this, this next murder is only a couple of months after Curtis and Dahmer actually kills its Earl Lindsay, 19, who's 19. And what's noteworthy about Lindsay is that, Dahmer, Dahmer starts the process of drilling holes into his skull, through which he actually injected hydrochloric acid into the brain. And what he did this while he was I, still alive. What the fuck? I don't know why he's got. I, I I don't know if all of these people are just him being fascinated mm-hmm. and like obsessed with like experimenting in the dissection of the human body. Or, and he just went about it completely wrong because, fuck, I don't know why he went about it wrong, because he's like the Frankenstein. Oh. Yeah, he's like Dr. Frankenstein, but like, or he's insane, or he's fucking insane. And it's been determined he's already fucking insane. And it just, it just, I just don't understand. I just... This entire process with his brain and everything, Dahmer actually claimed that Lindsay awoke after all of this. 
I woke up from somebody drilling the holes in your head. And, again, Don, Dahmer had to render him unconscious with the drink laced with sedatives. And then, quickly after that, he strangled Lindsay. And Dahmer said that Lindsay, like, Dahmer played Lindsay's body and retained the skin for several weeks. So, that's that's now a new thing that we're reporting that he's doing. He's doing something different with the body, with the body, or a different part of the body, and it's. I just don't understand. I have so many questions. To make to make to try to make logic out of a logical situation is it's one hell of an undertaking. That's 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 to say the least. But, uh, I mean, to, to the fact that, again, it just gets worse and worse. So, the following month, Dahmer would add two more victims in a span of three days. So, the first was 31-year-old Tony Hughes. And Hughes was a deaf mute who Dahmer lured to his apartment with the prom- promise of posing nude for photographs. So, you just get, uh, if you guys haven't caught on on this, it's, it's, it's pretty much a prevalent Mo. He he approaches these guys. Either they're going to hook up for sex, or he's enticing them with money for, for take pictures. Mm-hmm. And then as Hughes was deaf, he and Dahmer communicated using handwritten notes. And for his troubles, he was strangled and his body left on Dahmer's bedroom floor floor for three days before being dismembered. Uh, and again, Dahmer photographs this shit. So, I mean, it's just adding more layers and layers if it cannot be sick. And this one, the second of which in three days, was Conorak Synthema's phone, 14. And this is arguably the most notable of all of Dahmer's victims. For one, if you may remember that last name, he was the younger brother of the boy that Dahmer had assaulted in 1988, causing him to be convicted of sexual assault in the first place. And Conorak was an aspiring soccer player who was picked up by Dahmer after practice under the promise of, like so many others, money for posing pictures. And Conorak was drugged, sexually assaulted, and had hydrochloric acid injected in his brain before Dahmer left the youth unintended as he left the apartment to go on a beer run. And through initial sheer grace cam, Conorak ran out of the house of horrors, and caught the attention of two young women. Now, mind you, he's naked. There's blood dripping out of his anus. He's drugged out of his mind, but the women insist on staying with him until police arrive, and they do so. And around the same time, Dahmer arrives to find his quandary, and you're thinking, okay, this is finally where the jig is up, but no, somehow the police, Conorak, and Dahmer head into the apartment, and somehow... He convinces the cops that he and Conorak were lovers, that he was an adult after the woman contested that he couldn't be no more than 14, and that the youth was simply intoxicated. And when the cops got downstairs, uh, they were somewhat amused by the interrogation that they just conducted, totally unaware of the horror that was going on in the very apartment that they were just standing moments before, and... Uh, this was a recorded cam that one called in the station to report, quote-unquote, intoxicated Asian, naked male, was returned to his boyfriend. On a tape recording of the call, the laughter was audible, 
And uh, one of the reporting officers, the, the other reporting officer said that my partner is going to get the louse at the station laughing through this. And as soon as police had left Conorac with Dahmer in his apartment, Dahmer quickly injected hydrochloric acid to Conorac's brain, and this proved fatal. And his head was retained in the freezer, and his body was dismembered, like so many others. So, wow, a lot to unpack there. I mean, number one, to uh, uh, to you've already uh, traumatized that family once. And then to, by just like sheer coincidence, to do it again, and this time killing one, killing uh, the youngest? Was it a coincidence though? Like, like they, they did, they did, li- they did live close by. So, I mean, it's, maybe he thought, and that's a good, that's a good point, Cam. Maybe he thought Conorak was a splitting image of his brother, of his victims. Like, hey. I got, you know, this, this, he slipped through my arms and maybe this is my second chance to, to get him. But like, man, I, don't I mean, know, but... you see the cops like this is just, if it wasn't enough it's, to, it's then... ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, even let's say hypothetically, they were boyfriend, girlfriend, let's just say hypothetically, right? Or boyfriend, girlfriend, excuse me, boyfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend. boyfriend. Let's just say hypothetically they were. Right. How in your right goddamn mind are you just going to let somebody who's... Okay. Back to the person who they claim just did that to you. Right. Oh, I, it's... I, and they were so casual. It, how yeah. can you be so casual about and that? And you know what's one of How those things. How can you literally look at that person? Right. It's one of those things again when you when uh, one of the officers say that you know I have to get the loudest, and he's saying is laughing again. It speaks to the uh, uh, the homophobia, the uh, even even the casual homophobia that was you know prevalent at that time. Like, oh, I got to get the last, and this is, oh, this is just a laughing matter. If this was a woman instead of a, a man, uh, like, I think they would have looked at this a, a lot more serious. But, again, just to, just to, oh, oh, shucks, you know, this was, that was something funny. Like, it was a, like, it was a funny skit from Cops, you know? And. How? How could you just chuckle that off? I bet you that wasn't exactly a pretty scene either. No, again. That he was he was described as naked, his blood blood anus, and he's drugged out of his mind. He it it doesn't it doesn't compute. And again, we have the benefit of hindsight. Where I'm imagining, if this was today, this would have never like they they would at least gone one or two gone to the station. Not say both of them, but like I just feel like if it was the year two thousand, this wouldn't have happened. No, no, no. No, and I mean, it's it's just like... and they were so casual about it. And you know, it reminds me of uh, what the the assistant district attorney had said in the trial, that if he goes back, if he he goes unpunished, he will do this again. And her her words were prophetic. Uh, Yeah, I've said it, right? I guess, look, it's 11 o'clock. We've been doing this for two hours, but like, yeah. This is one of those things. It's like, yeah, you know, as morbid as it was, it was 
correct? And I mean, again, this I it's just, the second in three days. It's just, in, you know, the, I don't know if the question was ever asked him that. Did you know this individual beforehand? How did you pick out this individual who you, in fact, have experience with one of the family members? Like, was it a coincidence? Was it not? I, I don't know, but it, it frustrates me that he's been able to get away like this. Yeah. And... It's it's it just drives me crazy, and it would never. This would never fly. I know people say everyone snowflakes today. Whatever, I don't fucking care. But this shit is not acceptable. Like this is not okay. If we're this would never happen today. This would never happen today. Don't everyone don't go out to clubs. Don't socialize. Stay at home. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's I mean, you never know what the, it's just Stay like. At home. It's, it's, it's one of those it's it's just the damage again the fact that it happened underneath the uh it happened just and it's something that i want to you know i'll get in more greater detail as we make our you know final summarizations of this whole shebang bang but it's like it it, it, it wasn't like uh what comes to mind like the land and child murders where you know like all this stuff was publicized like you just there was just this greater aware, like it was happening in the shadows. So people are just, you know, are just enjoying themselves and they have a monster lurking and you never know. It's, you, it's not like you have good, like a good idea when you're already drinking or a good sense of what's right, what's wrong, who's good and who's not when you're drinking and out and having fun. Right. It's just, and it doesn't end here either. And like, it, it doesn't, it, he, we continue to have our second Chicago link here with Matt Turner on June 30th. Dahmer attended the Chicago pride parade and a bus stop, which if anyone's out there, you should go to the pride parade. It's awesome. It was, I love going to a Chicago parade. It's, it's awesome. Strongly advised. But anyways, at a bus stop, Dahmer actually encountered a 20-year-old named Matt Turner and persuaded him to accompany him to Milwaukee to pose for a photo shoot. Then Turner was drugged, strangled, and then dismembered in the bathtub. His head and internal organs were put in the freezer while his torso was subsequently placed in a 57-gallon drum Dahmer decided to purchase. On July twenty third, excuse me, on July twenty fifth, twenty three year old Jeremiah, what? It's July fifth. So like yeah, it's only a July week. 5th. Oh yeah, a week after. So like again, it's just this fast like this this fast turnaround. Like in the past where it was like months between, he's doing this in days and weeks. You know that? Yeah, it just jumped from. He's he's about to lose control, right? And that's that's where it's getting scary because he's just just picking people off now, and people are just you know the whole same dropping like flies. He's just picking anyone and everyone and feeling invincible, and it's it's dangerous. And 
right after Matt Turner, we have Jeremiah uh, Weinberger, who met Dahmer at a gay bar in Chicago and agreed to accompany him to Milwaukee as well for the weekend. Dahmer drilled through Weinberg's skull and ejected boiling water into the cavity. I'm sorry. That just makes me want to scream. I, I, can't, I can't imagine a worse pain than that. That's just... Tor- that's, if there was a word for bigger than torture, this mm-hmm. would be it. Dahmer actually recalls that Weinberg's death to be exceptional. Is he was the only victim who died with his eyes open. Weinberger's decapitated body was kept in the bathtub for a week before being dismembered. His torso was placed, um, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, his torso was placed also in the 57-gallon drum. So then 10 days later, so we went from a week to 10 days later, we have 24-year-old Oliver Lacey a budding bodybuilder who was enticed to his apartment on the insurance of money for posing for photographs. And just like everyone else, Lacey was drunk, assaulted, and then strangled, but this time with a leather strap before being decapitated, and with his head and his heart being placed in the refrigerator for leftovers. Leftovers. Yeah, so now he's enjoying what he's doing. Mm. He wants more. He wants to I just, it's gross. It's disgusting. And then you have Joseph Bradhoff, the 17th victim of Dahmer. The 17th. Not the 3rd, not the 4th, not the 6th. We've done 17. 17th. And Bradhoff was a father of three children from Minnesota who was just looking for work in Milwaukee. After hooking up with Dahmer, he was killed in the same MO that many before him met. He was left on Dahmer's bed for two days following his murder before, on July 21st, being decapitated. His head was placed in the refrigerator and his torso in the 57-gallon drum. So, just one day later, one day later, on July 22nd, 1990, July 22nd, why does that day sound so familiar? Uh, I'm scratching my head. It's like somebody. I think it's because that's when I had my incident. Oh, man. Jeez. When my incident occurred. Man, I was, Nothing else. No, I was thinking about your birthday, Nothing but else. like, you know, being being morbid. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but, but uh, one day later, <laughs> Ju- July 2nd, 1991, Dahmer is setting his sights on 32-year-old Tracy Edwards. We met on the basketball court by his apartment, and Dahmer paid Edwards $100 to accompany him to his apartment to pose for new photographs, drink beer, and just to simply keep him company. And Edwards would later state that when he entered the apartment, there was this strong, filthy odor alongside tons of boxes of hydrochloric acid on the floor. And after some small talk, Edwards responded to Dahmer's request to turn his head and view his fish, whereupon Dahmer placed a handcuff upon his wrist. Edwards had said, hey, what the hell is happening? And Dahmer had tried to attempt to cuff his wrists together, then told Edwards knife point to go to the bedroom to pose for nude pictures. Now, Edwards goes along with this act and abundance his shirt saying that he would continue to strip if he would just remove the handcuffs and put the knife away. But instead, Dahmer placed his head on Edwards' chest, listened to his heartbeat, yeah, and with the knife pressed against his intended victim, informed Edwards that he had planned to eat his heart. 
and desperate to prevent Dharma from attacking him, Edwards repeated that he was Dharma's friend and that he wasn't going to run away. And through the power of persuasion, Edwards convinces Dahmer that he has to use the bathroom, to which Dahmer acquiesces to. And as soon as he unlocks the cuffs on his prey, Edwards proceeds to knock Dahmer the fuck out, beats him up to the point that he's incapacitated momentarily, and then runs out of the apartment like his life depended on it because his life depended on it. Oh my god. That's a lucky that's a lucky person. Oh yeah. Edwardson saw saw two Milwaukee police officers at the corner of North Twenty Fifth Street. The officers noted Edwards had handcuffed attached to his wrist. Whereupon Edwards explained to the officers that a freak had placed the handcuffs upon him and asked if the police could remove them. When the officers' handcuffed keys failed to fit the brand of handcuffs, Edwards agreed to accompany the officers to the apartment where Edwards stated he had spent the previous five hours before escaping. When the officers and Edwards arrived at the apartment, 213, Dahmer invited the trio inside and acknowledged he had indeed placed the handcuffs upon Edwards, although he offered no explanations why he had done so. At this point, Edwards divulged to the officers that Dahmer had almost brandished a large knife upon him, and this happened in the bedroom. Dahmer made no comments to this revelation, indicating to one of the officers, Rolf Mueller, that the key to the handcuffs was in his bedside drawer in the bedroom. As Mueller entered the bedroom, Dahmer attempted to pass Mueller to himself to retrieve the key. Upon where the second officer present, Robert Rawl, informed him to back off. So while in the bedroom, mm-hmm. oh, gone. Oh, no, no, you go, you go, you go, you go. I'm, I'm, I'm tweaking. Oh, oh, you're Gucci. Yeah. I'll say while in the bedroom, Mueller noted that there was indeed a large knife beneath the bed. He also saw an open drawer upon which closer inspection contains. Scores of Polaroid pictures, many of which were human bodies in various stages of dismemberment. Mueller noted the decor indicated they had been taken in this very apartment in which they were standing in. He walked into the living room to show them to his partner, uttering the words that these are for real. When Dahmer saw that Mueller was holding several of his Polaroids, he fought with the officers in an effort to resist arrest. The officers quickly overpowered him, cuffed his hands behind his back, and called the second squad car for backup. At this point, Mueller opened the refrigerator to reveal the freshly severed head of a black male on the bottom shelf. As Dauber lay pinned on the floor beneath Ralph, he turned his head towards the officer and muttered words, For what I did, I should be dead. So, when it was all said and done, finally, after 17 murders, Jeffrey Dahmer is finally captured. And a more detailed department conducted by the Criminal Investigation Bureau revealed a total of four severed heads in Dahmer's kitchen. A total of seven skulls, some painted and some bleach, were found in his bedroom and inside a closet. And, of course, the 57-gallon drum where you just had a conclave of dismembered torsos dissolving the acid solution and also a pair of severed hands 
too severe to preserve penises in a mummified scalp. A mummified scalp cam and a total of 74 pictures detailing the dismemberment of Dahmer's victims. And it, it, as, as the chief medical examiner stated at the time, it was more like dismantling someone's museum than the actual crime scene. So on July 25th, 1991, Dahmer was charged with four counts of first-degree murder, murder. And within a month, he was charged with 11 more murders committed in the state of Wisconsin. And on September 14th, 1991, investigators in Ohio, after uncovering hundreds of bone fragments in woodland behind where Dahmer used to live and confessed to killing his first victim, Stephen Hicks, identified Hicks through two molars in a vertebra with x-rayed records. And three days later, he was charged in that murder. So of all the murders, he was not charged in the attempted murder of Tracy Edwards, nor was he charged in the murder of Stephen Tomey, as it was never, it wasn't proven beyond a reasonable doubt that Dahmer, because he had said, confessed that he had no memory of actually committing this murder, and no physical evidence of the crime existed. And I guess for that family, Tommy, to get closure, I can understand those wanting to get the Tommy murder rap, but I mean, come on, you got 15 other murder counts, it's a slam dunk saucer. Oh. And obviously, when Dahmer gets bagged in for nearly 20 murders, this undoubtedly reaches national news. And all of these men that were senselessly murdered and in horrifying fashion perpetrated perpetrated by one man. And I think part of the reason why this really caught on in the public, and we said if, um, uh, earlier in this episode, it wasn't like BTK. It wasn't like Hillside Strangler. It wasn't the Green River Killer, serial killers who we knew before, or we knew all of them. We didn't know them, the actual person behind it, but we knew the, the motives. We knew the victims uh, before and then especially after they got caught, and at least the notoriety that tied them to one distinct killer. But in many ways, like I said earlier, it reminds me of Gacy, again, which you can find in the archives, in that these victims just mysteriously vanish. And then the next thing you know, they have this sudden link and all traces back to this one guy. And it was as if it was out of nowhere, like an RKO. And the mystique of it just fascinates a lot of motherfuckers. And it's, I bet. I bet. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. But, but it's like, yeah. You talk. It's. It's. It's a lot of fucking people. <laughs> It's a lot of fucking people. And on top of this, he wasn't even charged with the attempted murder of Tracy Edwards. Nor the murder of Stephen Comey. Yeah, already. already, He wasn't wasn't charged with murder because the Milwaukee County District Attorney only brought charges where murder could be proven beyond a reasonable doubt. Uh And Dabak had no quote-unquote memory of actually committing this particular murder, for which no physical evidence of the crime existed. So that being said, I feel like, what, his first two murders were in that way? So Yeah, so so yeah, Hicks Hicks was the first one, and Tommy, second one, yeah. So, I mean, when you... When you have that, Did they like, count the first two? It's, it's yeah, it's kind of like that standalone, especially when the first two murders were like a decade uh, apart, and then you have all the murder, the subsequent murders, like 
bunched in from like you know 88 on and 91 and like this happening in such rapid fire it was a lot more easier just it was insane it was insane yeah and it's just it's just insane to see that not all of the murders that actually occurred were recorded so it's far more than what he has quoted, I believe. Right. Um, but at the scheduled prelimin- preliminary hearing on January 18, 1992, Dahmer actually pled guilty, but insane to 15 counts of murder. So Dahmer's trial actually began about 15 days later on, a little over 15 days on January 30, 1992. He was tried in Milwaukee for the 15 counts of first-degree murder before Judge Lauren. By pleading guilty on January 13th to the charges brought against him, Dahmer actually had waived his rights to an initial trial to establish guilt, in, as defined in Wisconsin law. The issue debated by opposing counsels at Dahmer's trial was to determine whether he suffered from either a mental or personality disorder. And the prosecution claiming that any disorders did not deprive Dahmer of the ability to appreciate the criminality of his conduct or to deprive him of the ability to resist his own impulses. The defense arguing Dahmer suffered from a mental disease and was was driven by obsessions and impulses he was actually unable to control. Defense experts actually argued that Dahmer was insane during his necrophiliac drive, his compulsion to have sexual encounters with corpse. Defense expert Dr. Fred Berlin testified that Dahmer was unable to conform his conduct at the time he committed the crimes because he was suffering from uh, paraphilia or more specifically necrophilia. Dr. Judith Becker, a professor of psychiatry, Psychiatric, oh my god, psychiatry and psychology was the second expert witness for the defense. Becker also diagnosed Dahmer with necrophilia. The final defense expert to testify, forensic psychiatric, sorry, I'm a mess tonight, Dr. Carl Wallstrom, diagnosed Dahmer with borderline personality disorder schizotypal personality disorder, necrophilia, alcohol dependence, and psychotic disorder. And, and so that's a lot. That's a lot. And, you know, and, and going back to, uh, what they were talking about, you know, mental disease and, and whether this was the case of insanity, uh, I, I found this quote and it was kind of really revealing. Um, and when I say this, you're going to, you're going to think, oh, who, who, this sounds like a medical expert. So I'll say this, um, quote unquote, I tell you this, this trial is a good example as to why insanity doesn't belong in the courtroom because if Jeffrey Dahmer doesn't meet the requirements for insanity, then I hate like hell to run into the guy that does. So from that, that quote, like what, what, what could you sense like that person's an expert? I just, it, it, I, I can't, it's hard to determine because mm-hmm. are we talking about it being a recent quote or a quote from then? Oh, this is a quote, oh, 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 <laughs> I don't get ahead of it. 
This is a quote uh, from that time uh, during the trial when they were having so much, I guess, malarkey from whether to kind of say, was he insane or not? So this was a, uh, this man, uh, you can say he was a medical expert or say an expert in such field. It's, it's hard to explain because maybe back then he was, but mm -hmm. nowadays there's a lot more research and information to prove mm -hmm. that Dahmer may, may have had all these multiple personality disorders, but right. may have all these issues, mm -hmm. but no way in hell is that motherfucker should be, be walking around. Right. Well, the person who said that quote was John Wayne Gacy. Yep. Oh, what a surprise. So it's like pot cutting kettle black. Like, it, I just found that so fascinating. And the fact that he, like, did a painting of him. Like, he did a painting of a skull. It's, and it's, Will, it's, yeah. we, we if, Of course, you have to tie it in. And, you know, we're going to actually uh, remind us each other to, uh, when we do post this on Facebook, to, yeah, I mean, you know, post that, that, that photo I mean, that's the only photo we can find that will be safe for work. But, yeah, it's uh, kind of crazy. So, again, the prosecution rejected the defense's argument that Dahmer was insane. And forensic psychiatrist Philip Resnick testified that Dahmer didn't suffer from primary necrophilia because he preferred live sexual partners as evidence in his efforts to restrain, create unresisted submissive sexual partners devoid of rational thought. And again, this is a case that the country that had the country's attention. I don't think when it was all said and done, Cam, that the decision was ever in doubt as Dahmer was found to be legally sane when it was all said and done. And he was subsequently convicted to 15 of the 16 murders he had committed in Wisconsin. And he was sentenced to 15 consecutive life terms on February 15th, 1992 and was sentenced to Columbia Correctional Institution in Portage, Wisconsin. So let's just fast forward two years, two and a half years, to Monday morning, November 28, 1994. So by this point, Dahmer had been out of solitary confinement, which he was in the first year of his imprisonment for fears of his safety. And when he got out of that, he appeared to be opening up more. Um, there are... Um, uh, two uh, documented and uh, very famous interviews that he did one with Inside Edition and one he did with Dateline that you can find on uh, YouTube and hell we'll we'll try to get that on uh, get the links up on there when we do post this but okay so 1994 November 28th he is with two fellow convicted murderers Jesse Anderson and Christopher Scarver they're cleaning the prison bathroom, and the three men were taken by guards to mop the shower and toilet area adjacent to the prison's shitty Shinewood basketball court. And it's important to note, and we haven't done so until now, that everyone knew how Dahmer had landed in prison, and it was not an unknown factor that many of the people that he had killed were black. I think it was like 11 out of the or nine out of the 17. It was a very disproportionate number. And additionally, uh, Jesse Anderson, the second man there, was a 37-year-old white man who was in there for killing his wife in Milwaukee, and he blamed the murder on a black man. So, enter Christopher Scarver, 25, black, 
and described as a strong man who was labeled as delusional, schizo, and manic depressive, and who claimed to be the million-year-old son of God. And he allegedly sees a news clipping of Dahmer's misdeeds, and with already the knowledge of what Anderson did, and you mix all of that up, shake it all about, and you kind of know what happens next. So the guards leave at 7.50 a.m. They come back in 8.10, only 20 minutes later, Cam, and they find a scene of bloody chaos. Dahmer was discovered face down and unconscious with a pool of blood, his head totally crushed. Part of a bloody broom handle was found nearby. An alarm was sounded, and moments later, the, moments later, the body of Jesse Anderson was found some distance away from the tile floor of the shower room, also severely injured. And both were rushed to ambulances and taken to the nearest hospital. Anderson died shortly thereafter, and on 9-11 a.m., Jeffrey Dahmer was pronounced dead at the age of 32. No, 33. And... My take, like, why do we talk about Don? Why is he still relevant, right? It's not just about the mass bodies we know of. Because it's been plenty of murders, murderers who've killed more than 17. And and again, notwithstanding, that's a very ridiculous high fucking amount. But it's, as we've been talking about for the last two hours, it's the extremes. Like, you're going to get considerable infamy when you're responsible for almost 20 murders. And those are the ones that we know were proven. As you talked about in part one, Cam, about the murders in Germany, that who knows, you know, how many victims, even in Germany, even in America, in the United States. But when you just, when you dismember bodies and then you eat them, remember frying the bicep and fucking vegetable oil. And then what you don't eat you use it to either fuck yourself or even get off on the body parts. You're entering a league of your own. And it, like I said earlier in part one, I've always considered Dahmer like the big three of serial killers or even put him in the Mount Rushmore. Like there's there's Bundy, there's Gacy, there's BTK, there's uh, Zodiac, there's the Son of Sam, and there's Dahmer. And when you think serial killer, you think of those names like it's synonymous it is. It's 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 fascinating because well, it's not fascinating. It's just you have all the people, all the serial killers that we discuss. But right. Dahmer really, really goes above and beyond mm-hmm. with his with what he does. And I don't know if it's ex- because he's curious of the experiment. Um, it wants to experiment. It, it fascinates him. I don't know if it's an obsession or gets off to it, but it's absolutely insane. And it's, it, I don't even know how to explain it because I don't see other, I don't see, it's, it, we don't have a lot of people that willingly enjoy and wanted to tear up the body parts and eat them and 100% dispose of them. He's one of the few that, you know, you always, you always say that, you know, killers always eventually will make mistake, you know, eventually Mm -hmm. will screw up because, you know, the whole, Oh, they want to be caught shit like that. Robert just, I don't think had any recollection of him 
thinking he would get caught. I think he looked at I don't I, I don't know. I, I think just it's, don't know. it's it's one of those is like he did things where in the middle of his rampage that um he opened himself up to the possibility of getting caught like the 15-year-old kid that he let go had they had looked more thoroughly there's a great chance yeah. that they would have found Mm-hmm. And I mean, right. And this is one of those things is that when you do it for almost for for almost 13 for 13 years and you've been you almost have 20 bodies to your name, you're going to have that feeling of invincibility. Like I can't get caught and you might slip up. Like in this case, he made the fatal mistake of having one handcuff and, and I guess the power of persuasion again, he just lets them go. And I mean, you, and I guess thinking, okay, I've gotten away with it so many times, even when I was caught in compromising situations with talking to the police or being confronted with my father, I was always able to find a way through. And he just thought it's kind of like that, that, that ego that, okay, I'm going to be able to get, you know, find my way out of this. And you get, you just have that arrogance and you have that feeling of invincibility and, you know, that's going to trip you up. And it, he, I just, there was just something about him that just, I don't think he, I don't know. I, I, there's so much I want to talk about, Donald. It's going to, we'll be up for another 16 hours. So oh, it's yeah. one of those I things mean, we'll have to, right. have to come back to just talk about because there's just so many parts of him that, you know, maybe his early drinking affected him and maybe he, I don't know. I don't know. There's just so many different ways that I want to think that I don't want to say something stupid and I get called out for it because we will be, but it's one of those things I want to sit there and just have a break it down on everything I'm thinking about it. Right. And I mean, again, it's like so many books and so many case studies have been done on Dahmer that even with all the documented interviews and the confession and all of the hoopla surrounding that, I was like, it's going to be more than a two-hour podcast chopped up in two parts. More than that could ever even scratch the surface of yeah, getting into absolutely. this mind's head. And it's no different from... I guess any of the, like, especially the big murders that we've done, even uh, serial killers that we've done, you know? It's just one of those things is that why somebody's mind ticks like that. And you get exactly. us... Exactly. Why, how, mm-hmm. what, what made them tick, right. things like that. You get, a, you get a sense, if you will, even from coming from his own mouth of not wanting to be alone... And who knows if that stemmed from feeling like he was abandoned, you know, in the years that he really needed that kind of attention, that we all need that attention in those, you know, crucial years in our lives. And, I mean, when you have those alternatives to kind of find solace and to find comfort in, and it's only going to manifest over time and it leads to something like this. And, man, we've been... Wow, this has been two hours, two hours, two hours and what, 20 minutes, so almost two and a half hours 
and yeah, Jesus Christ. we could go way past my bedtime. Yeah, oh yeah, this is past my bedtime too. Um, back in the saddle we are. Uh, I am so fucking we're thrilled. Back. We're back. Yeah. Back. Uh, we're gonna be back this week. Uh, we're gonna do one more uh, road tripping. Um, and it's going to if you guys uh, <coughs> if you guys remember the Crispin Wall episode we did. Uh, way back when, um, we're going to be keeping on with wrestling, uh, we're actually going to have a special guest, uh, Michael Noor, um, podcast, uh, Squared Circles, oh, i got to get this right, because I, he's a, um, listener of the show, fan of the show, friend of the program, uh, Squared Circle Squares, there we go, and, um, you know, he reached out to us, he's like, hey, you know, whenever you guys, uh, want to do an episode with you, and I was like, you know what, let's do Jimmy Simplify Snucker, and, just to kind of, you know, get a grasp with that. Like, before Hulk Hogan, uh, Jimmy Superfly Snucker was arguably one of the biggest, one of the, arguably the Hulk Hogan before Hulk Hogan. In the sense of, like, he was arguably the most popular wrestler in America. It could be debated. I mean, again, this is the time of Ric Flair. This is the 80s. But the fact is so fascinating, as we're going to talk about, uh, hopefully this week, with Michael, um, that... This guy, to a lot of people, killed someone and got away with it. And it was complicit by a lot of people afterwards. And he was celebrated as like this innovator, like this icon. And it wasn't until recently that, I guess, justice tried to prevail. And we're going to get into all of that. Cycle and it's gonna be if you remember the Benoit episode we talked about CTE and steroids and, and drugs and all that nature. This will be a prevailing topic. So again, um, guys, thank you so much for um, listening. I know this was a long one. Um, again, without you guys, it this will not be. It's if you guys make it worth it. You listening and you providing feedback, whether it's good, bad, middle, like hey, you know. We're just two, we're just two credence, you know, trying to uh, uh, make sense of, of, <laughs> of trying to make sense of like a passion of ours, like true crime, and um, never claim to be experts. I mean, just it's just it's fascinating, you know, shit and shit that sickens us, shit that you know it's out of our uh, our our comfort, you know, element, and just trying to see through the lens. Of how why shit like this happens, you know, and um, again you can find Cam uh, through social media through the uh, Twitter of Instacam. Yeah. Oh yeah, Instacam. No, no, that's I like stuff six thirty. Long name for me. I like stuff six thirty. Yeah. You can find her on yeah. Facebook, the Book of Face at Cam E Ren, and you can find her on the gram of Insta at Barbo. Ho, H E A U X. You can find Burnman on. What'd you start off with? Twitter? The Twitter. Twitter. The Twitter at Burnman for America. You can find him on Facebook, now officially under Burnman Iceberg. He yeah. has changed it. And you can find him on the Instagram. Um, at, 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 bird underscore your underscore enthusiasm. Yeah. There we have it. 
Here we have it. So, again, guys, thank you so much. Um, we're about to sign on off. Now we're riding off into the sunset, and we will be back um, later on. And for Cam, this is Bird uh, signing off. This is Killing All with Bird and Cam. Be there or be killed. Be there or be killed. Bitches. Do we do the bitches now, or we just leave it That's on here? It. Okay. Yeah. I thought you turned it off. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just for sponsors. Be there, be healthy. Yeah. <laughs>